So, this morning we return to mindfulness of breathing, of course, focusing this time on the nostrils. And this is, as you're very well aware, this is the way to do for the long term, with the one very important precaution that if at any time when you're focusing here, the apertures of the nostrils, if you do start experiencing pressure building up in the head, just come right down. It's not a nyam, it's not a good sign. It means pressure is building up in the head, and that can give rise to headaches and so forth. So don't tolerate it. Just say, oops, I think I must be probably trying too hard, probably too much effort. So as soon as something starts coming up like that, just drop right down. Come down to the abdomen, come down to the full body. Okay? Come back here when you can do it very gently, in a subtle fashion, with no contraction in the facial muscles, no pressure in the head. Now, if we do this, especially here, focusing on the sensations at the apertures of the nostrils, here more than anywhere else, we find that the, the sensations will, over time, become subtler and subtler. And, of course, that's the loop, that's the feedback loop in this particular practice, unique to mindfulness of breathing, that it, it's almost like taking us by the hand and leading us into greater and greater vividness of attention. So among the various sensations that we might get from the physical senses, this gets very subtle, okay? Very, very subtle. And it can lead us quite a long ways along the path of shamatha until eventually the acquired sign arises. And just to, again, clarify this once again for anybody who might not be clear, the acquired sign is a purely mental sign. You will experience it somewhere around here and just in front of you, maybe probably right, you know, pretty much where your nose is. Um, but it's not at all something you see with the eyes, so it should appear whether your eyes are open or closed. And you really feel free to have your eyes open or closed as you wish. There are no clear instructions, neither from the Buddha or any other source that I've seen, that's homogenous, that, oh yes, the eyes should be open, hooded, or closed, so do whatever you like. That's, that's important. So the acquired sign will arise either way. But then I would suggest that as you're doing the practice, don't be waiting for it. Don't be wondering, oh, how long is it going to take? I've already put in a it's two weeks now. Six weeks only left over. Uh, you know, oh, my quiet sign hasn't arrived yet. Maybe, maybe it's lost in the mail. Or somehow, I didn't, I didn't get one. <laughs> you know, like the Easter bunny that passes out the acquired sign, forgot me, <laughs> you know. And so the point is, don't worry about it. it will, it'll come in its own good time, and it's, and it's very unpredictable. Some people, it comes very, very soon. And other people, months will go by, and the practice is going well. So it's not months of practicing poorly or slowly, or it's not working. Practice is going very well, be it the quiet sign. can really take its sweet time in arising. Now, as you very well know, oh, and in this regard too, very important point, and it's a subtle point, and the more quickly you can recognize how subtle it is, the better, and that is to attend very closely to the sensations of the breath there at the apertures of the nostrils, but to do so, again, with a very light touch, very soft, very gentle. And then as you do so, and attending closely to these sensations of the breath, note how very easy it is to start influencing the breath, even with an expectation. Remember the placebo effect? Just thinking that some little sugar tablet's going to have such and such effect, and it does. Well, it works both for the placebo effect, and you might recall there's also something called the nocebo effect. So th thinking that, oh, if I take this, this will probably make me itch all over. And then, oh, it's working, you know. So it can go either way. It's this power of suggestion, 
and it can be a healing agent. It can also make you sick. And the nocebo effect is turning out to be quite a problem for people who try to self-diagnose themselves on the internet. You know, they don't want to pay for a doctor, so they just check out symptoms. They say, oh, I think I start. I think I probably have that. And then, what are all the symptoms? Oh, and then, oh, and that, over the next couple of days, oh yeah, I probably do have that because I'm getting just those symptoms I read about. So it can be very much of a feedback loop here. Yeah. So even expectation, preference, even the subtle regulation of the breath, all of that is to be relinquished as much as possible. And we're doing something very unusual, almost unheard of in the ordinary world, and that is attend very closely to something with keen interest and with real continuity, something that we can modify easily and not do it. And that is, again, shortly stated, we're attending closely to something that we can modify, but we don't. And that's really, that's really part of the, let's call it the magic, the, the potency of this practice, is that while we're attending so closely, we're really deactivating the sense of I am the controller and allowing this breath just to flow as if it doesn't belong to anybody, which is kind of like true, right? So here's a skill we're developing, and this is why I've been teaching for some years now, the mindfulness of breathing, and then settling the mind, and then awareness of awareness. Because you see, with each of these stages, we are more and more deeply putting the ego out of work. And what by mean of ego, I'm referring to something that does exist, and that is the sense of, I am, I am the controller, I'm in charge here. My fist always does that when I talk about that, every single time. And so the sense of I am the controller, I am really someone here, that does exist, and we're deactivating that reification, that grasping onto I as the controller in this practice. And we're doing with this practice of observing the breath without activating this I am the controller sense and then modifying the breath. And of course, you see, this is going to carry right over into settling the mind, where once again, it's so easy to prefer to modify the contents of the mind, the thoughts, images, and so forth. And now at a deeper level and a very subtle level, we're deactivating that as well. And whatever arises in the space of the mind, we just let it be. So it's all of a very smooth continuum here. Final point, and that is, as you very well know from the Mahayana literature, and, and actually there's a, at least one Mahayana Sutra that discusses this, namely the, the nine stages leading to shamatha. So it's traced to a Mahayana Sutra, and then of course it crops up in many commentaries, Indian commentaries, Tibetan commentaries. So it's a wonderful map, it provides step-by-step, -step, very clear, rational, transparent stages that are very sensible stages of the development and refinement of attention until eventually the achievement of shamatha, or access to the first jnana. So, but you don't find any of that in the Theravada literature, not in the teachings of the Buddha in the Pali Canon, not in any, if it's there, it'd be an enormous surprise to me because I've been reading a lot for quite a few years by now. I would say with a lot of confidence, at least I've seen no evidence of these nine stages. So what are the stages of mindfulness of breathing? Well, then we see they're quite simple. That is what's explicitly stated there. And it, we just go right back to the Buddhist teachings, which are very succinct. And that he's, he simply says, and I paraphrase, but paraphrase closely, as the breath comes in uh, long, one notes it, that it is long, when the breath goes out long, one notes that it is long. So when we're first starting, the emotions, the whole system, the biological system here with its prana, its breath, the nervous system, the mind, is probably going to be relatively coarse, relatively turbulent, which means we, we need more oxygen 
right? If we get really angry or really very strong craving arising mentally, then what do we do? <sighs> like that, right? And likewise physically. You go out for a good jog or a quick swim and <sighs> well, now we're calming the whole system down. The biological system, the psychological system, calming the whole system down. So as you're just sitting there doing almost nothing or lying down doing almost nothing, just mindfully breathing, first when it's long, you note it's long, on the out-breath, the in-breath, and then in its own sweet time, in its own sweet way, without trying to prefer. So as soon as I say this, we say, oh, I got it. I should breathe long, and then I should breathe short. I can do that. Okay, I'm, I must be going faster now. I'm hardly breathing. You know? well, that's just manipulation. So the whole system has to calm down. You're letting your body heal and balance itself. The body, the body-mind. That's the big deal here that you're very present with it, you're wide awake, but you're allowing the whole system to sort itself out with all of these nyam, the sensations of electricity, tingling, all kinds of movements in the, in the body, often many things happening in the mind. The whole system is sorting itself out as a living organism rather than a machine. It's balancing itself out. It's displaying its ability to heal and balance itself. And over the course of time, gradually the volume of the air will diminish the sensations of the breath will get subtler. And so then, as one breathes in short, one knows. One breathes in short. When one, when one breathes out short, one knows that one breathes out short. So you're recognizing on a fairly coarse level the sh simply the duration, noting whether it's long or short, noting those are very qualitative, it's a very qualitative demarcation. And then as you continue to settle in, the next real stage is flow to use this nice modern psychological term from Csikszentmihalyi, flow. And athletes experience this, marathon runners experience this, swimmer, swimmers experience this, a lot of musicians do, and so forth and so on. And that's when you get really into the groove of the practice, and in this particular one, you're right there with your awareness being like the rider on a horse. And as, let's say the horse is galloping, and the rider, you look like the, the, the rider's body is just right fluid with the, that of the horse. They're all moving like one, right? Moving as one. The rider and the horse totally together, totally together. Your awareness is the rider on the horse of the breath. And you're there for the whole course of the in-breath, then the turnaround, and the whole course of the out-breath. And, and it flows in effortlessly, and you're all there all the way through. Flows out effortlessly, you're there all the way through. It gets silky, it gets fluid smooth, it gets soothing. And this is what the Buddha said, attending to the whole body, I breathe in. Attending to the whole body, I breathe out. This is the whole body of the breath, the whole course of inhalation, the whole course of exhalation. That's the third phase. And then finally, breathing in, there's a soothing, he said, of the composite of, of, the, composite of the skandhas, the composite of the body-mind. And that is, this is really talking about the integrated system. And that is not that the mind remains chaotic while the body settles down, or vice versa, but in this integrated system of body-mind, right now the mind is very much embodied, that whole system, this composite, I, think, I believe he calls it sankara, or sanskara in Sanskrit, nuchet in Tibetan, it's calmed, it's soothed. And so this is where the whole system is calming down. And then that's just an ongoing calming right down into your mind being calmed down and dissolving into, in Pali, the bhavanga, the substrate consciousness, and your whole body calming down, and that's when the, 
a really nice transition takes place, uh, and it's really quite fabulous, of just a, a really a marvelous opening of the pranas throughout the body. And when you experience it, you'll feel, until now I've been sick. And I don't know why I tolerated it, but I guess I didn't know anybody who was well, and I didn't know what it was like to be well. But now the pranas are functioning as they should. It's called, they're now functional. They actually work, you know. And the body feels radically different. You feel this kind of total free flow of the, of the, of the, of the body, a kind of a, a joyousness, a lightness, a malleability. It's called prashrapta in Sanskrit, of pliancy, malleability. The mind feels light. One person who I know who experienced this said he, she, felt like about a foot taller. And just and engaging with this person, the person seemed to have dropped maybe 30 or 40 years. No, nothing magic, I'm not, nothing magic here, but just in terms of the kind of the energy, the, the aura, the ambience of the person, it was like, whoa, you used to be such and such years, you seem now to be many, many years younger. You know, body pretty much the same, doesn't look, you know, don't expect any radical makeover. You know. <laughs> not going to be like that. Wrinkles disappearing, so sorry. Hair turning dark again, forget about it. You know. But overall energy, very different. So that's worth something moving towards. But the beauty of this is it's not wait, 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 like waiting for Santa Claus or waiting for somebody to give you a boon. It's not waiting. It's every breath, every in-breath, every out-breath. You're accomplishing shamatha. So let's accomplish shamatha right now, okay? As you let your awareness descend into and fill the tactile field, the space of the body, settle your body in its natural state, relaxed, still, and vigilant. You may round off this process with three slow, deep breaths, if you wish.
Settle your respiration in its natural rhythm. Relaxing deeply with every out-breath, releasing excess muscular tension, releasing the breath effortlessly, releasing any thoughts of the past or the future. Settle your mind in its natural state, relaxed, carefree, hovering motionlessly in the present moment, clearly illuminating the sensations of the body, that is to say, sensations of the breath throughout the body. Let the breath flow in effortlessly. If there's a pause, let there be a pause. If the in-breath is short or long, fast or slow, just let it be. Let the body sort itself out. Restore its own balance and equilibrium. Just as we can't speak of there being an agent who heals the wounds and abrasions that we experience from injury, there's no one doing it. There's no one who heals or rejoins broken bones. They simply join if they're well set. 
and there's no one who restores the balance of the breath, the prana system, the energy system. Simply allow it to happen by getting out of the way and be mindfully present. overcome excitation, restlessness, agitation. A general antidote is to lower the focus of your attention. So focusing downwards on the sensations of the rise and fall of the abdomen with each in and out breath is helpful for stabilizing the attention, overcoming excitation. to overcome laxity, to arouse greater vividness of attention. It's helpful to elevate the focus of attention and also to sharply focus. So let's move into this third phase of mindfulness of breathing now. Clearly and sharply focus your attention apertures of the nostrils or above the upper lip, wherever you most clearly experience the passage of the in and out breath. As you do so, introspectively take note of the body, especially the muscles of the face, especially the eyes and the muscles right around the eyes. Do this intermittently throughout the session. See that everything here is soft, loose, the forehead spacious, the eyes unfocused, the visual gaze disengaged, disengaged from the meditative process and focus only your mental awareness together with your tactile perception on the sensations of the breath. in-breath, arouse, focus, concentrate your awareness on these sensations of the breath, thereby overcoming laxity. With each out-breath, 
relax deeply while gently sustaining the flow of mindfulness of the out-breath. With that relaxation, that letting go, you release excitation, the agitation of the mind. to the extent that it is helpful. You may count the breaths, one brief count at the end of each inhalation. You may do this just once in a while to restore the stability of your attention. You may do it continuously or not at all, as you see fit. You may count one through 10, one through 10, or simply continue counting. Do whatever is most helpful. calm this obsessive and compulsive flow of useless thinking. In between the counts, let your mind be as silent as possible, relaxing with every out-breath, arousing and focusing with every in-breath. The final point is the utilization and refinement of both critical faculties for developing and eventually achieving shamatha. The first being mindfulness, 
the flow of not forgetfulness, not forgetting the instructions, not forgetting the breath, not forgetting what to do when your attention strays into either laxity or excitation, maintaining an ongoing flow of mindfulness. And the other faculty, introspection, monitoring not only the flow of mindfulness, but also monitoring the flow of the breath, monitoring intermittently the body, to see that from the ground up, your body continues to be settled, relaxed, still, and vigilant. The breath continues to flow unimpededly and effortlessly. Checking to see that the muscles of the face are soft and loose. And finally, monitoring the flow of mindfulness, recognizing laxity when it occurs, and arousing the antidote of arousing and focusing your attention, recognizing when excitation occurs, loosening up, and gently returning the attention to the meditative object. Let's continue practicing now in silence.
Vipassana. In your meditation, if on occasion you feel some real turbulence or energy coming up in the body or turbulence in the mind, emotions, memories, and so forth, overall there are two good strategies. I mean, sure, I'm sure there are many more. I'll just mention two. And that is one back to the infirmary. So you know it well. But just within the kind of the encasement of the body, the body-mind, within that system, just totally relaxing, being present, and once again just letting the body-mind sort things out, kind of shuffle things around and settle into place. So the infirmary is just marvelous. You can get a lot of mileage out of that, at, really at all phases of practice, right into Vipassana. Even after you've achieved shamatha, you might still want to use the supine position, the shavasana, for your Vipassana practice. So there's one option. But sometimes you may feel that it's just a bit too claustrophobic, a bit too closed in, in which case, then out you go. And go, you can go out walking. We have a big sky here. And so go out walking, let your, your awareness really come into the body, into the senses, into the visual, visual field. Let your awareness come out. In other words, rather than trying to hold that tension or the energy and so forth within your body-mind, really expand your awareness out into the senses, out into sky, look up at the clouds, really get spacious. And that way, again, that kind of pent-up energy, turbulent energy, kind of dissipate, and once again, there's balance. What does not help is to say, to go to the internet, say, oh, get so distracted, oh, I, I need some distraction, and go to the internet. That's just saying, oh, the fire's too hot, let's throw on some oil, that'll do it, you know? it just create more turbulence, or just reading entertainment reading, that'll just create more grist for the obsessive, compulsive uh, mill of the mind. Uh, and just allowing the mind just to go on blah, blah, blah with the OCDD, that's just going to be, again, walking backwards as well. So when you're coming into the body, if you're just mindfully walking, again, with every outbreath, just release the involuntary thoughts. If you want to think about something, of course, why not? Nothing wrong with thoughts. But the obsessive impulsive are not helpful. So it's as much as possible, really come to the senses expansive, open, large. And that should do it. Okay? It's good. Enjoy your day. Continuity is the key.